We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy. As always, this is your boy Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me today, as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only, Greg Manakis. Happy Sunday, my friend. Happy Sunday, bro. You're bringing the energy this morning. I love it. I love that. <laughs> I needed that. I needed that extra boost in that intro. Hey, we, we've all got a role to play. That's how it goes down. When you get to the postseason, you got to know your role, and then you got to know when you need to step up out of your role and, and do a little bit more. That's, that's what it's all about. So we got all the reps in the regular season. So, you know, we got to be ready for it here. Uh, man, it's a fun Sunday, man. We're, we're going to talk a lot of playoff basketball on this podcast but, but real quick, I mean, obviously, you know, we're, we're super excited about the Celtics being up 1-0 against the Atlanta Hawks. That's going to be the first thing we dig into. But, man, how great was it just having a full day of playoff basketball? Yes, I just want, I just want, I just want to take a minute just to, just to appreciate the greatness that is the play, NBA playoffs. Dude, like Mark Jones, every time he went to break in that uh, Kings-Warriors game, he was just like, whatever the arena's name is, he was like, you guys take the mic. And he just let the crowd speak for <laughs> yeah, itself. It he's, so the, he, he's that dude. He he cracks me up when he's on the mic. He's got – he's so the way that I used to feel about Mark Jackson with hand down, man down, mama, there goes that man again. Like Mark Jackson's kind of lost his sizzle, right? When, when he left to Kojic and then came back, he just he, – he hasn't quite – you know, he's fine. You know what I mean? Mark Jackson, it's fine. Mark Jones is that new dude. I love Mark Jones. Mark Jones is the easily the swaggiest announcer going. I also love Mark Jones because he knows what he's talking about. And he's one of the few announcers that calls out actions as they're happening mm-hmm. in real time. Like no other announcer is just like, like there was one play where he called out like five different things that were happening on the court. And I was like, dang, Mark Jones, like to be able to do that from court side level. And cause like, it's easy when you're watching the game on TV to be like, Oh, they're running, you know, they're running a horns action into like a wide pin down. Like there's a zoom action. He just calls that stuff out like in real time at court side, which I would imagine is really hard to do. And, and think uh, about the, like that arena last night in Sacramento was electric. So you think mm-hmm. about that environment, you think about, you know, it's funny. So, so obviously we've had some great content this week. Go back, check out our Howard Beck interview. We had Chris Forsberg on and, and Greg, you know, you texted me afterwards. You're like, man, I was pretty exhausted trying to, trying to host that. 
And so when you're doing the, you know, the play by play, you're, you're calling the game, but you're also making sure that your partner is involved. Right. And I think him and Doris Burke have really, really good chemistry. Like mm-hmm. I was going to say, I don't know if this is a hot take. I think I might prefer the Mark Jones, Doris Burke crew than I do the, 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 the a one crew, even though I like Breen Van Gundy and Jack, like I, there's nothing wrong with them. But I think sometimes I prefer Mark Jones and Doris Burke. Like I, I really like their setup, but that's the other part that Mark Jones all has going on. And so to be able to do what you're saying, it's extremely impressive. Yeah, Mark Jones has the reps, right? He he does all of the Kings games. So like the fact that's that the he, was, too. Little yeah, inside, he was little inside info right there for him. For sure. Yeah. So he's able to do that series, but also just like him and Mike Breen, like Breen does all the Knicks games. So he's there getting all those reps throughout the season. So is Mark Jones. So it's like, no wonder when Mark Jackson comes in and he only does nationally televised broadcast games that he's just like not bringing his fastball. You know what I mean? He's a little, <laughs> little bit out of rhythm. Maybe as the playoffs goes on, Mark Jackson will get into it a little bit more. But I agree with you. Uh, Mark Jones, Doris Burke definitely won the day in terms of the announcer crew. Yeah, I, I got a feeling we'll see them later on in the Celtics run. But let's do this here. Greg and I are going to hit on the Celtics. We're going to hit a little bit on just the, the rest of the day that was in the NBA. And as always, we're going to hit y'all with a vibe check. But first things first. So let's get into it and let's queue up a morning box score. Boston Celtics take down the Atlanta Hawks 112 to 99. Now lead the best of seven series one game to zero. Game two, Tuesday night at the TD Garden, looking to go up 2 0 on the Atlanta Hawks. Let's start with Atlanta over here. DeJounte Murray, actually pretty solid game. 24 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 12 points and 8 boards from Clint Capella. Another 12 points from John Collins. Trey Young, 16 points, 8 assists, only 5 of 18 shooting. We'll talk more about the Hawks shooting here in just a minute. And for the Celtics, three guys go over 20 points, leading the way, which was just super consistent, had an unbelievable first game with Jalen Brown, despite that hand opening up, as he talked about in the pregame, or excuse me, in the postgame, 29 points and 12 rebounds. Jason Tatum also with a double-double, 25 points, 11 rebounds. My guy, your guy, our guy, Derek White, 24 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. Marcus, 11, 7, and 7. 12 and 8 off the bench for Rob Williams. And you know, Greg, I, I mentioned that that hawk shooting. You probably have it pulled up in front of you because you're sharing your screen right now. The Hawks shot 17% from three-point range. Celtics outshoot the Hawks. The Celtics shoot just under 40% from three. The Hawks shoot 17% from three. Gonna be a tough recipe to get a W when you're shooting like that. Greg, let's let's start with your initial thoughts here as the Celtics are now up 1-0 in the series. And then uh, I know we got a few clips that we want to get into for those of you watching us here on YouTube. Yeah, let's start with the Hawks so we can just uh, kind of have the visual of the box score and then we can go into uh, go into all the plays. So when you look at their box score, right? DeJounte Murray, 10 for 25. Trey Young, 5 for 18. So they're taking a majority of the shots for the squad. And then when you look around at the rest of the guys, like who is there that you're truly worried about making a big impact on this series as a scorer? Like, I'm not worried. Mm-hmm. Like, DeAndre Hunter might have a game where he drops, I don't know, 18 points, but he's not going for 30. John Collins is probably the only other guy that I'm like, he might be able to go for 25. Clint Capella is going to get his, you know, 10 to 15 points. Bogdanovich is just, 
maybe you'll see more of him because they need yeah. his shooting. He's the, the other floor. guy that I was thinking may because when, when you saw some of their lineups that work, number one, it was kind of Bogdanovich replacing Trey Young and them having Trey Young on the bench was the little bit of success that I think you could point to where they got the game in within 12 points a few times in that fourth quarter. He's the only other guy, but 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 your point, yeah. I mean, this is part of why for me it's so hard to envision the Hawks putting a scare into the Celtics unless and Trey Young can have these moments. And he's a man who doesn't love the movie. We saw him go into Madison Square Garden a couple of years ago and turn that place upside down, upset the Sixers in Philly. And it's gonna take multiple, you know, crazy Trey Young games. And I just think we have the answers for Trey. For sure. And then you got C- uh, Sadiq Bay coming off the bench. Who I thought he played well in the 23 minutes that he played. It's just like, I don't know that he necessarily has enough of a role on this team to like mm-hmm. go off. You know what I mean? Like they might need him though, because the Hawks don't really have too much for the Celtics. One thing that was interesting about the Hawks as they started the game was their matchups. I don't know if you like caught uh, caught wind of that, but they started with John Collins on Marcus Smart. They put Trey Young on Derek White. They had Hunter matched up with JT, Murray matched up with uh, with Brown, and then mm-hmm. Capella's on Horford. And we were getting to the rim kind of at will with that lineup because if Horford's on the court against Capella, Capella's got to be out. You know, he can't really be in the paint um, in deep drop against Horford. Horford only took four shots in the game, but Tatum and Brown in the first half just got to the rim at will. John Collins couldn't really do much on defense anytime. Uh, there was a possibility for him to switch out onto Tatum or Brown. He was doing everything in his power to avoid that. He wanted to stay on Marcus Smart. It's just like the Hawks don't really have too much for the Celtics. The only way they're going to be able to steal a game or two is if Murray and Trey Young go off in the same game and they get one more guy to hit yeah. from three. But it's going to be it's going to be a uphill battle for the Hawks moving forward. Yeah, as soon as the Hawks upset the Heat. The, the point that you made about Horford and Capella was one of the first things Adam and I jumped to because Capella was dominant in that playing game, right? His his will on the offensive glass, his ability to, you know, every time Jimmy Butler and others got into the lane, he was kind of there to meet them. Even if he didn't block the shot, he was there to alter it. But when you have Al Horford, who finished third in the league shooting 44% from three, you're just not going to be able to leave him. And, you know, even though you said he only took, four, what was it, four shots for for Al Horford last night? But he knocked a couple of those down late in the game. And so you, you have to kind of be aware of that gravity at all times. And that was the one of the reasons for me when I looked at this Atlanta team, why I was like, I, I just can't be that scared because what we just watched against Miami, they can't do to us because Miami can't space the floor the way that we can and the way that when our offense is working, especially the way it was in that you know end of the first quarter and certainly throughout that second, that 40 plus point second quarter when they're driving, they're kicking and there's just options everywhere on the court. The Hawks aren't, they just don't have the answer for it, especially when you have, when Capella can't be by the rim and you have Trey Young out there on an island at times and you have to make up for that. It's just a bad, bad recipe. And I think for the majority of last night, that's exactly what happened. Uh, like I said, the Hawks made a little bit of a run, but uh, but and honestly, I, I went back and rewatched the the condensed version of the game this morning before we we hopped on here, and you know I, I saw a little bit on social media, and even as we were watching, we watched the game together for those listening, and it felt like man, this is the Celtics let these these leads that go from twenty two down to twelve, and we were telling people around us, this is what happens, this is what happens. But really, when you watch it back this morning. It, it, it was never really a threat. It really wasn't. The Celtics put it out, put those fires out so quickly that it, there was never really an opportunity for this game to get away from them. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the the closest the Hawks got it was twelve at one point, yeah. and they got the two different times to the twelve and the fourth. Yeah, and the Celtics came back with quick runs right after that. Um, you know, I think we went on a six nothing run right after the the first time they got it back to twelve yeah. after they hit a couple threes, uh, and then they got the the Bogdanovich and one and fast on the fast break. And then we came back after the timeout and had six straight points. And it was back up to 18. And from there, it's like, all right, if the Hawks come back from 18 with like five minutes left, props to them. But it's just, it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, it, the, you know, there is something to be said for the Hawks getting some sort of confidence in the second half of that game. They handedly won this the second half. The first half, obviously, went to the Celtics up 30 at halftime. But the game ended up with the Celtics winning by how, how many points? Like 13? Uh, 13 points. Yeah, 13 points, 99. right? So the Hawks win the second half by 17. They win the third quarter by 11 points. That's one of the things that I hope the Celtics can, as they move forward, think about, okay, the game, yeah, that's important, but let's try to win every single quarter. Because mm-hmm. like we, we know the Celtics can have the knockout blow, some haymakers, but if somebody like pulls a Tyson Fury and gets back up off the mat after you think they're knocked out, you know, the, well, what are the Celtics going to do at that point? So if we yep. can just be a little bit more steady in our approach to the game, obviously I'm not going to say don't go on huge runs and like, <laughs> but like we expend so much energy at the beginning of a game. We have to be able to maintain that and not get lulled into a false sense of security. There. And I think that's an important point, right? Because we, we just went through a long, long playoff run last year. And so we know that there's times where, the, where certain games feel secure and they're not right. And, and so I think that idea of winning, quarter by quarter is is a really interesting one that that I think is is one to to kind of keep an eye on as we go forward here. But Greg, I know you got some some plays for us queued up here. So I want you to kind of lead us through where where you want to take us here because there's there is a lot to actually dig into from this game despite the Celtics having it in hand most of the night. Uh let's take a quick break and when we come back from that break, I will queue up my first play. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis 
analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So the first play that I want to talk about is just the tone setting play of Jalen Brown, who also made me some money on this first play of the game. Um, So let's cue this up. Here the booze for Trey Young as Jalen Brown comes up with a steal. Brown just beating DeJounte Murray to the spot. Here is Brown dipping inside. Okay. That first play, I just love to see that, you know, I I was grilling food at the time, so I actually didn't see that happen live. But one thing, Jalen Brown, first bucket of the game was plus 500 on on BetUS. So I was able to put down some money on that, win my bet. I told the boys about that bet. Um, I Shout out to our guy, Mark McDonough. He put money on it. Chris, sorry, man, you got to listen to me. He put his money on Tatum for the first bucket of the game. I should have listened to you as well. I went with Al Horford. Ah, dude. Look, look I mean, I mean, we just, we just, we just talked about the game plan, right? So I figured, how do you set that tone to make sure Capella doesn't go near the basket? We get Allen early look, but Jalen Brown came out and set the tone with that defensive play. Yeah, and it's it's so important because you, everybody's worried about Jalen Brown's hand coming into this game, and then his comments in the post game were definitely a little alarming that his hand split open at one point. He's getting it examined today, Sunday good, at this good time. Catch of by I don't know if it was. Um, by the announcing crew, because halfway through, I think it was the maybe first quarter, sometime in the second quarter, they mentioned, yeah, Jalen Brown looked down his hand, and he's kind of flexing it, and I wonder if that was the time when when it had split open. Yeah, and he, you know, I was worried coming into this game, just like would Jalen be kind of favoring that hand? Would he be as aggressive as Jalen Brown? Um, like peak Jalen Brown is one of the most aggressive players in the NBA. So to see him on the very first play of the game, one, be locked in on defense and get that steal. And two, just like use that hand in traffic, I think was really important to see. And then throughout the game, Jalen was ultra aggressive. He had a couple monster jams. Um, I don't know if that's when he split his hand open, but with JB, we need Jalen Brown to continue to ascend to the next level of who Jalen Brown is, right? Him, him and Tatum both have to take steps forward as alphas on this team and alphas in the league. And to see Jalen Brown arguably be the best player on the floor last night for the Celtics, I think was a big step forward for him and for Celtics fans feeling good about that hand. And he was attacking last night. You know, I got his shot, his shot plot kind of up here on the screen right now. He's, he's got 13 shots inside the paint and made nine of them. That was a big talking point when, you know, when you, we were looking at some of his all NBA chances, if you listen to some of the national podcasts was, I don't know if he got downhill. I mean, this is nitpicking, obviously, when you're getting to all NBA, like why I might not put him on my second or third team. But that was one of the things that a lot of people thought, you know, when you look at the analytics of his season, one thing for, uh, you know, a player like him, he just doesn't didn't get downhill enough. Well, he got downhill a lot in this game here, got got into the lane 13 times, made nine of them really really positive sign for the Celtics and yeah I thought I thought he was tremendous from you know all the way from the start of the game all the way through the end of the game he was the Celtics most consistent player probably their best player yesterday he was he was really really good all right let's let's go to the next clip you got here for us Greg all right uh so this I just want to talk about Rob Williams uh I thought in Rob's 21 minutes of action yesterday that we saw probably the most explosive athletic Rob Williams that we've seen in over a year um, so this one play here for all my people watching on YouTube kind of exemplifies 
the impact that Rob had in that game and what that's going to mean for the Celtics moving forward. The Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to prove that two wing players can get it done. Johnson gets denied. Wow. What a rejection from Robert Williams. What's the first thing that stands out to you when you see that play? Well, his athleticism, his his reaction time, being able to to cut across the lane in the manner that he did to go ahead and, and get that. I mean, I feel, you know, with with Rob, we always are waiting for him to get to game speed. He was ahead of game speed yesterday. He was he was that Rob that was was even using his athleticism to be one step ahead of the defense or of the offense, I should say. For sure. And for me, the pop of the crowd after Robert Williams makes that block, right? So for those of you that are just listening, not watching on YouTube, we just showed the play of Robert Williams uh, coming over to block Jalen Johnson where he pinned it against the glass and then in one motion with the same hand that he blocked the ball with, he just cupped it and, and, and then the crowd just went absolutely bananas. The announcers, oh, Robert Williams with an amazing block. We haven't seen... You know what that reminded me of, Greg, was... Every once in a while, you get one of these tackles in the NFL where the guy strips them in one motion. Like he, like they go for the tackle, but they hit the tackle and they strip the ball in one motion and come out with the fumble. That was what it reminded me of watching that Rob Williams play. Yeah, it was absolutely unreal. The the level of athleticism on that play from Robert Williams because Jalen Johnson can jump out of the gym. Right. And Robert Williams is on the opposite block. He takes one step, meets him at the corner of the backboard, pins it against the glass, cups it, and then starts the fast break. But that pop from the crowd and the pop that the crowd, the garden had when Robert Williams first checked into the game, like mm-hmm. the fans are so locked in to how important Rob is to this squad. And I think yesterday was the first time I was like, ooh. This is the Robert Williams that we just didn't have in last year's playoffs. Like that's one of the themes I think of this first game is all these guys that when we got to the the finals, right? We, we just kind of weren't the same team anymore. Like uh, some people had lost confidence, other people were injured, other people were tired, and Robert Williams throughout the entire playoffs last year just was not Robert Williams. Mm-hmm. He was a shell of himself. I said it yesterday to the boys that were watching with us. I was like he looked like late career Tim Duncan. You know, the way he was dragging his leg around in last year's playoffs. He couldn't move. There were so many times you and I looked at each other during last year's playoffs and we were like, should Rob even be on the court? Like, he's he looks injured, not just mm-hmm. hurt, not just playing through pain. He looks injured. And he clearly was. He needed surgery on that leg after the season. Yeah, a lot of people overlook that fact because he was out there, but he was not out there if you know what i'm saying like it it just it's like you're saying it was not rob and when people look at last season's playoff run i I feel like that's a point that is consistently missed by by the national landscape locally i think a lot of us obviously bring that up quite a bit but i think when it's oh middleton was out or oh it took you this to beat the heat or what happened to the warriors it's like well when you don't have your all defensive center for basically four straight rounds it, it it tends to hurt at a certain point especially when you only go seven eight deep like the celtics were last year and so like you said you're seeing the impact of rob and and once again back to the point that we talked about with the with the hawks bigs i think this is such an advantage having rob to come off the bench in this in this scenario maybe down the line there's a scenario where rob needs to go back to the starting lineup but i'm really enjoying this six-man version of rob and you get him out there yesterday for for 22 minutes and he just gets to he gets to fly around and, and be chaotic you know that was the other part is that there was a lot of offensive possessions that the hawks had that he just inserted this this level of chaos for 20 plus minutes that I, I think you can't necessarily do if you're playing 30 to 35. You have to worry about, you know, your your foul trouble. There's there's a little bit more that, that goes into it, a little bit more, you know, you have to be a little bit more reserved at certain times. 
But if you're out there for 22 minutes, let it fly, Rob. And I think that's actually a huge bonus for this team. You know, it's interesting. You just said Rob being a six man. I, I We have these aspirations for Rob of being a starting center and being a defensive player of the year. But what's probably more, um, you know, it's just like better for him long term mm-hmm. is for him to slide into a six man role and to focus on winning six man of the year. But that's a conversation for next year. I want to transition to another guy that I think demonstrated in yesterday's game that he is just a different guy from last year's playoffs. And I think the announcing crew also did a really good job kind of highlighting how much um, having a full year, a full training camp with the team did for Derek White. So I just want to play a quick uh, clip of one of Derek White's four three-pointers from yesterday's game. This, I believe, was his last three. Um, And this is one of something that we've seen a lot more out of D. White, and that's pulling up off the dribble for three. First half where they shot it at 60% and held Atlanta to around 30% shooting. White has been locked in. Beautiful. Beautiful. The fact that he's able to use um, a, a screen from Al Horford. Horford kind of flips the screen, relocates. White dances behind the screen, has John Collins on him, and goes, one of my favorite moves, lefty, hang, dribble, hezzy, pull up three, and just splashed it. And he actually shot that shot a couple times in yesterday's mm-hmm. game. And I remember you commented during the game, you're like, man, he's just so much more confident. Yeah, it, it's been one of the big revelations of this season has been Derek White in general, but his shooting confidence, which last year, you know, to your point that you were making earlier, he kind of lost his confidence by the time we got to the finals. And, you know, he was a little bit up and down. And, and it's really tough to come into a team because he came in at the trade deadline. And there were moments where you're like, oh, this Derek White, I'm, I'm in. I like Derek White. But it, it really we didn't really get a chance to to fully embrace Derek White. This year has been a completely different, different story. Derek White has been, without a doubt, my my favorite player to watch this year. And you've seen that confidence grow and grow with his shot where it's not just catch and shoot. It's, it's everything that you just talked about in that clip. And, you know, I think back to some games earlier in the year, I know he had a big game against the Pelicans, one against the magic. This is in about the first quarter to, you know, 30, 40 games of the season where he had 25 to 30 points in those games. And it was like, man, he took a couple, he, he must've been really feeling it. Cause he took a couple shots that were a little bit out of his typical shot pattern that, that you would think of for Derek white. Now it's now it's typical. It's very typical for him to go ahead and take those shots. And and honestly, when he's taking them, I'm feeling confident they're going in. It's not, oh man, he just thinks he has a hot hand tonight. It's no, I actually want him taking those shots because he can make them and he's been making them consistently all season. Yeah, I'm thinking back to when we first acquired Derek White and I started watching some tape on him in that very first game in Boston where he hit, I think he hit like three or four threes and yeah. he was just like on fire. And then the rest of the season, he didn't really shoot great from well, three. Part of the narrative was he kind of had a broken shot, right? And in, in the first game, he came over like, that shot looks fine. What are you guys talking about? Yeah, exactly. And I remember like immediately after watching the tape being like, oh, Celtics fans are in for a very pleasant surprise because he's not just Marcus Smart. He's a much better shooter than Marcus Smart. He's got this float game that like nobody else on the team has. And then like we didn't really see it. So after the mm-hmm. first game, I was like, ooh, was I just like wrong on Derek White? Like, but is he not as good as I thought he was? But then this year you see it that he has great form on his shot. I know he spent a lot of time in the offseason reworking those mechanics, but the float game is also beautiful, man. Like he he has that little um I it's like a little spin move into like a baby hook that he does mm-hmm. that I really like. Very Antoine Walker-esque. 
Uh, yeah, I know you. I know you love a good Tuan reference, but that that floater in the runner in the lane, it's just really hard to guard. And I think having Trey Young on him in this series, he's going to be able to get that whenever he wants. Um, I think they they like Trey Young on Derek White in the series just because D White isn't quite as physical as Smart, and they don't want Trey Young having to run through the gauntlet of Marcus Smart in the post. But D White can still take advantage of that, so it looks great. Um, D White shot looks awesome. I love the confidence out of him and. If Derek White is this guy, if he's the clear third best player on the Boston Celtics, the Celtics are in for a very long postseason run. Um, but I want to transition to talk about Marcus Smart just a little bit. Before we play the clips, how did you feel watching Marcus in yesterday's game? I thought Marcus was great yesterday. I mean, I, I know the clips that we're, we're about to queue up here, but I thought defensively, this was the closest to last year's Marcus Smart that I've seen in a long time. And I don't know if it's just he's a big game player, right? We, we know that, you know, we just talked a lot about Jimmy Butler previously with play-ins. Like, Jim, it's big game, Jimmy. This was just why everyone was so scared of Miami. It's like, I don't know, man. Jimmy, Jimmy's a different guy. Marcus is also a different guy when it comes to the postseason. I think we saw a lot of that yesterday. Uh, you know, I mentioned I went back and watched the the condensed version of the game, and, and then I tried to compare that with some of my just initial thoughts in the moment. And this was one of those games where I just, for Marcus, it's a little bit subjective, but just do I agree with the decisions that he's making? And generally, yesterday, the answer was yes. And so when he's doing that and when he's making the type of plays that you're about to show right now, that's like that's my perfect version of Marcus Smart. Yeah, and going back to the morning box score, like you look at Marcus Smart, right? We'll compare him to Derek White, first of all. Derek White played 38 minutes, 31 seconds. Marcus Smart played 32 minutes, 18 seconds. This is a trend that we started to see more towards the end of the year where Derek White started outplaying Marcus Smart in terms of minutes. And I think that was a great shift for the Celtics. But in those 32 minutes that Marcus is playing, right, four for 11 from the field, only 11 field goal attempts, seven rebounds, seven assists, Three steals, two blocks, only two turnovers. Is that not the perfect Marcus Smart box score right there? That's what you want every time. That's what we always want from Marcus. That's exactly exactly. And I, when we fit, look at that, three steals, two blocks. I would actually say it was more like four steals. One of the blocks that they credited him for was actually a strip in the post on Collins. It went off Collins's leg. Mm -hmm. They gave him a block for it, but to me, that's more of a steal. Um, but I just want to show a couple clips here. The first clip here is early in the game that just shows how locked in Marcus Smart was on defense. I think he's guarding uh, a Kongu or Collins, one of the big guys. They try to throw a lob over the top, and Smart just like gets into the body and picks it off three of four from the line now oh nice play by smart deflecting it away Brogdon pushes it past young so with that dude first of all the fact that marcus smart was able to get into the body and break up that pass but then he gets it with his left hand, he breaks up the pass and has the wherewithal to find a teammate off the steal that starts a fast break. Well, let me play that one more time. <laughs> look, look at this pass that he makes it. off the steal. Three of four from the line now. Oh, nice play by Smart, deflecting it away. Brogdon pushes it past Young. The headiness of that play, yeah. man. He literally, like... The instincts and the the vision this guy has on defense are absolutely insane. How do how do you get that steal? And then in the same moment that you're connected to this guy that's 6'10 trying to get over the top of you, you see the court in front of you, pass the ball to an outlet guy that starts a fast break. Unreal. 
Yeah, like, I mean, like I said, this is the, like, yesterday was the closest all season I think I've seen to defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. I think the plays he made, you just talked about, he was guarding a 6'10 guy. What did what, what we you come up with the name for him last year? Big ball one. Exactly. Guard anybody out there. Whoever you, whoever you need to, Marcus Smart can switch on to them. He can find a way to be disruptive. And, you know, like you said, then him having the headiness to kind of get out and start a fast break right off the right off the tip. You know, this is the version of Marcus Smart that I think makes the Celtics complete. And part of what allows that to happen, right, is is with the Celtics offense last night. You know, Jalen was hitting, Tatum was hitting. They were taking care of the the main scoring. You had Derek White filling in as that third guy. Rob got a bunch of easy buckets. Another underrated part of having Rob available is just six for six. Six for six on all shots in the paint. Easy, you know, dunks, layups, handoffs, drop-offs, all of that. That that allows Marcus Smart to not have to get into his, I got, to quote our guy Adam Taylor, I got this mode you know he doesn't got to get into that blue streak mode where he feels <laughs> like he needs to kind of play a little bit outside of his role like we started the podcast we all have a certain role to play yesterday was the perfect example of where marcus smart needs to be and then in the right moments he can still step up and knock down clutch shots when called upon love a good blue streak reference uh my one of my favorite parts about blue streak is when um martin lawrence there's that one guy named diaz right and he, he just like diaz he starts smacking his belly. Diaz, is it? Diaz. I used to have this coworker. Uh, her name, her name, her last name was Diaz. Yeah. I used to always do that, but she had never seen the movie, so she was, was just like completely Dude. over her head. Like, what are you talking about? I was like, you have to watch Blue Streak sometime. <laughs> uh, okay, let, let's transition I, to the to the end of the game. Right, Boston Celtics are losing uh, losing control of the rope a little bit. The Hawks are making their comeback. The Hawks get a steal off of a careless Jalen Brown pass. Marcus Smart runs back, sprints back in transition. DeAndre Hunter seemingly has an open layup. You're expecting maybe another and one after Bogdanovich has got that and one earlier in the quarter. Didn't happen. Inside of two minutes to go in game one. Oh, steal from Hunter. Hunter pedals ahead and gets denied by Smart. Once again, dude, the crowd's reaction to that block was just beautiful. They appreciate, they love, they trust Marcus Smart, and so do I. What a play in transition to not only contest that, but contest it with force, Mm -hmm. get all the ball, and then just like completely stop all the momentum for the Hawks. And I feel like usually when we think of closing out a game, it's, oh, it's it's a dagger three, or it's a dunk that send them home. Yesterday, it was the Marcus Smart back-to-back defensive plays. I know you were going to show the other clip here in just a minute, but these were within 10 to 15 seconds of each other, I believe, of, of the actual game time, is he makes that strip, and then he comes down, and the Celtics will win a challenge about 10 seconds later on another play. These are the type of plays that you don't think about when closing out or putting the the stamp on a game, but yesterday, Marcus left you. Th- there was no way to walk away from that game, especially with this being the ending of it here, without feeling good about Marcus Smart. For sure. Let, let's play that last. Um, they go last hand in deal. hand. I think. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, let's play this last deal, and then we'll finish up our conversation on Smart. Go up high. Got it. As you bring it up, and another play by Marcus Smart. Or will they call a foul? As Smart is down. 
Right. They end up winning that challenge, but smart, just like the instincts to be able to go get that ball, get the steal. Um, I, that was the play where he stole it off of Bogdanovich on the sideline where they initially called him for a foul and the Celtics challenged it and won the challenge. And that was pretty much, um, you know, of all the daggers that the Celtics put on the Hawks last night, that was probably the final dagger, the final nail in the coffin. But this reminds me of the conversation that we had a couple weeks ago and we started talking about which guards do we want on the court at the end of the game or is it Brogdon? Is it smart? Is it white? And my point at that time was like, if Marcus smart is playing the best version of Marcus smart, he deserves to be on the court. That's the best version of the Celtics is with Marcus smart closing out games. But it's only if Marcus is playing at this level, right? If, and Brogdon wasn't great yesterday. Brogdon 21 minutes, one for six from the field, over three from three, um, five rebounds and, and two assists. But overall, he, he didn't really have a huge impact mm -hmm. on that game. But Smart, man, when Smart is playing that way and is locked in, especially against a, a team like the Hawks in which they have Trey Young and Jante Murray that, that Smart's going to have to guard from time to time, it's just beautiful to see him thrive down the stretch and make those winning plays that we know Marcus Smart is capable of. Yeah, I, th I think this series is without a doubt set up for him to have a lot of success if he's playing Marcus Smart defensive player of the year level like this is a series where where he can really be a, a massive influencer but to that point of, of trying to figure out between those three guards something I thought that was interesting that came out about the day before the game was that you know Marcus talked about the three of them getting together and 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 kind of something that you and I have been alluding to as is this going to rear its head as an issue if we get to a certain point and maybe Derek White's super cold that game and it makes sense to go Brogdon and Smart, maybe you need, you know, more scoring. And so it's Brogdon and White or, you know, whatever the case may be out of those. I thought it was really interesting to hear that the three of them got together and said, look, we all have one goal. We know one night it might be two of us. One night it might be one of us. It, it might be different combos. And so the fact that they're thinking about that, and it's something you and I have alluded to at different games where we've wondered if Missoula would go that route, just the fact that they're already having that conversation, I think that's, you know, I think that's super important for this team throughout the the length of this playoffs and how long it's going to go and the versatility needed. Uh, but Marcus Smart last night was special. Uh, I think this is a series that's made for him. I, like you said, I think more often than not, I would default to him being out there. And this gets back to my, you know, when you ask me, how do I evaluate Marcus yesterday? It's that subjective. Do I agree with the decisions he's making? If I don't for the first, you know, 40 minutes of that game, then probably the last, you know, eight minutes or so, I'm going to say, I, I'm not sure this is the time we need Marcus out there. But more often than not, the answer is going to be yes, that Marcus Smart should be in that final five to close games down just the way he did in game one. And I think that's so important that those three guys got together because it's really hard for Joe as a rookie head coach to bench Marcus Smart in crunch time, right? But if if he knows that these guys have had this conversation, it's a little bit easier one mm -hmm. day for Mark. Maybe even it's Marcus being like, hey, Joe, like I know Malcolm deserves to be on the court yeah. right now. Like he, he's got it going, leave him in there. And I think if, I'm not saying that conversation would ever happen, but the fact that they, the three of those guys had that conversation makes it more likely that it could happen. Totally agree. Fun game yesterday, you know, like I said, Looking back on it, anyone that was a little bit worried about that Hawks run, trust me, go back and watch it. You're going to feel a lot better. It was never really that scary. It was just us being fans. And you know what? That's okay, too. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. Uh, but a really nice win for the Celtics. They go up 1-0. Game 2 coming Tuesday night. 
right after that game, myself and Greg, you'll be able to catch us. So make sure you are following on YouTube if you want to join in. We'll record the podcast, most likely live. So make sure that if y'all want to get some questions in, uh, we'll be around to chat it up after that game. And then if you were just listening to the podcast, that will drop late Tuesday night or early Wednesday morning. So be on the lookout for that. But we're going to take a quick break right here. And it was a fun day of basketball yesterday. So we're going to talk a little bit about the our thoughts around the league on the first day of the NBA playoffs. And of course, we'll end it with the vibe check. All right, Greg. So let's go. Let's go in reverse order of the way games were played last night because holy shit. Kings Warriors was an effing classic last night. Kings take down the, the Warriors 126 to 123 in a game where you kind of felt like, at least I felt like for a while, man, these effing warriors are going to pull this out. Aren't they? Isn't Steph or clay? Cause they hit some incredible shots. Steph and clay in the fourth quarter where it was like these damn splash bros are just going to pull it out again. They're just going to find a way, but Darren Fox was special. Malik Monk was awesome. And the Kings crowd, which we, we touched on at the beginning talking about Mark Jones and Doris Burke was freaking awesome. Good. You know what? Just good for the Kings. That's all I got. Good for the Kings. They 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 deserve that win. It made me feel vindicated about our end of the season on the A teams, where we gave De'Aaron Fox first team or second team. We gave him first team over SGA. Yeah. So that was yeah. that was that was that was our final stamped approval, which which I think is the you know looking at that game certainly felt like the right call. Yeah, it's just like one of those things where with all NBA teams, you always wonder, like, it's easy to say, oh, Steph Curry should be first team. Oh, Damian Lillard should be second team because they have that track record of being Mm -hmm. the best players in basketball. But De'Aaron Fox absolutely deserved, like, in this his best season of his career to be in the first team, second team conversation and to go head to head and outplay Steph Curry and Klay Thompson or at least play them, you know, pretty level. I, I was just so impressed with him. The fact that he, I think he had like 38 points, 39 points in that game. Yep. Um, he was cooking, cooking off the bounce. He left Bro, get, uh, Clay get Thompson. Clay, get Clay away dust. from him, man. Dude, Ooh, dust. Baby, uh, listen, was... Clay had some moments last night, too. We'll talk about the Warriors here, but defensively, I, I mean, and, and I can't even say this is Clay not being back to Clay, which I think is still, he's not Clay level of what he used to be, but get him away. Get him away from De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox was chopping him up. I, the Warriors are in trouble, man, because I don't know who they're going to be able to put on Fox and Monk, right? Because Monk was just crazy, too. Like, they couldn't stop Monk. They put Wiggins on Monk. I was going to say, this, this feels like a Wiggins and a Gary Payton situation, maybe, that those are probably their two best options. But they couldn't do anything. They, they tried that. They tried Payton I know, and Wiggins. I know. Maybe they need to flip that matchup where Wiggins guards Fox and Peyton guards Monk. Mm-hmm. But Monk was cooking Wiggins. Yeah. And Fox was cooking anybody that was in front of him. He had he had Draymond Green on skates. He almost detonated on somebody at the rim at one point. I mean, that mid-range shot is silky smooth. And then he his ability to shoot off the catch, I think, is is kind of underrated now at this point, too. That lefty stroke just it's just butter, dude. It's just butter. So happy to see Fox, who's one of my favorite players, uh, have that moment in his very first playoff game. The Celtics, the the garden was popping. Man, the Kings Arena, whatever it's called, that that place is a freaking zoo. I hope that the Kings continue to win basketball games in this playoffs because I want to see more and more basketball at their arena. Yeah, light the beam, man. That that shit was so cool watching that game last night. Uh, that's, I mean, that, that series has 
it was already one of the most anticipated series. It's easily become a can't miss series. I don't care what I don't care if they're if they're not playing until 10 p.m. Eastern time, Central time, 11 p.m. I, I'm staying up to watch all of those games. That's that's just we're gonna we're this is that time of year. I'm gonna lose some sleep over games that matter. These are these are games that are so fun that they're they're worth losing some sleep over. Um, really fun game one. Sacramento up 1-0 on the Warriors. Let's go to the game that was right before that in the slate, right after the Celtics game, and that was the Knicks and Cavs game, which was funny. It was also a really great game, but completely different feel. To then the Kings and Warriors game, which was high octane, kind of back and forth. This one had a little bit more of it wasn't necessarily a grudge match. It was still good flow to it, but just a very different style of basketball between between the two games. But the Knicks get a big road win, one hundred one to ninety seven to go up one zero, steal some home court advantage from the Cavaliers. W- what stood out to you most in in this game, Greg? Mm, I, I guess it's just like. The fact that the Knicks are going to be, they're kind of built for the playoffs. I think that's probably the best way to put it. They have a guard that can get his shot whenever he wants in Brunson. Um, They're weird with three lefties on the court a lot. Mitchell Robinson is just huge at the rim. That was one of the comments that I kept making throughout the game. It's just like, we, we talk about Allen and Mobley a lot, but like Robinson was kind of like, the biggest beast on the floor, him and Randall kind of pushed those guys around. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it felt like as I was watching that game that the Knicks were getting every offensive rebound that was available. Yeah, I was about to say 17 offensive rebounds okay. in that game. Yeah, they. I mean, they just pushed them around. And I was kind of expecting the Cavs to be um, fit, to be able to handle that physicality of the Knicks, but the Knicks have all these dogs on their team, man. Like with Josh Hart, Grimes is a dog. Josh Hart was great yesterday. He was, dude. And there's just like so many guys on the Knicks that are built for the playoffs. And the fact that Randall is back and looking like some version of himself, I don't, I didn't see any any lingering effects of that ankle. Yeah. Uh, maybe just like a little bit of rust as a player, but overall, I thought he was moving great. And for, on the Cavs side of things, I. Mitchell was the guy that st- that popped off the screen at me. I think they're going to need a little bit more out of Garland and yeah. Mobley if they if they want to do anything in this playoffs. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Just I mean, I'm just looking at the box score, but even thinking back to the game is you know Garland was was seven of thirteen, two of four. He, he's just got to shoot the ball more. I know his his first instinct, especially with Mitchell who was cooking yesterday, is to to kind of defer. But you still got to give a little bit more than that as far as you know being ready to shoot, being locked and loaded. And then Evan Mobley, who had a pretty monstrous dunk early in the game, and I was like, oh boy, here comes Mobley. It, it just really wasn't that type of Mobley game, like you said. They Mitchell Robinson and, and Randall and Josh Hart kind of kind of own the boards. You know, they they kind of own the paint a little bit in the game, and that was a little bit surprising. So, I mean, I think Evan Mobley, who you and I have been watching down the stretch here and have been super impressed with, I think he'll bounce back. But for the Knicks, that might not have even have been their best game. I mean, it wasn't the most efficient game. And the fact that they stole that that home court, that's big. And if Julius Randle, to your point, is, is going to look like there's not a ton of you know wear and tear from that ankle injury, the Knicks have a real, real chance to, to pull this out. I think I, I picked Cavs and seven going into this, but I'm not going to be surprised by any means if the, if the Knicks find a way to pull this off. Yeah, and the Cavs, the only guy with playoff experience on that team is Mitchell. Yeah, right? yeah everyone, everyone else only has a little bit of the playing experience from last yep. year. Exactly. So I think the Knicks, they have that experience factor. And now that they're up 1-0 in the series, they are in pole position to win that. 
And let's go to the last game here quickly. Wasn't was definitely the probably the least exciting game on the docket here. But uh, Sixers go up one zero over the Nets, one twenty one to one hundred one. Uh, James Harden probably the standout here, at least from the Philadelphia side. Twenty three points and thirteen assists. Uh, anything you want to touch on in particular with, with this game here, Greg? Nah, we can keep moving. All right, one zero Sixers. It is what it is. That that's a series. I, I get, much like the Celtics and Hawks. I, I, Mikhail Bridges, I thought was really nice in that game. I can't imagine that series going much more than five. If it gets the six, that's great for us, but I, mm-hmm. I can't see it. Yeah, I, I guess that's the only thing is like I want that series to go longer just because I want more wear and tear in the Sixers, but that's an exactly. obvious statement. Like, is that interesting content? I don't think so. <laughs> no. All right, moving on. Let's uh, let's do what we do every weekend here. Get y'all set up for your Monday correctly. Let's queue it up with a vibe check. All right, Greg, you uh, you got the robe on today. I'm gonna let you let you take this first. What you uh, what you got for us, bro? I'm gonna go grilling out with the boys. That's Love what it. we did yesterday. Uh, I hosted my girlfriend Danielle. She went down to Donna, Texas, with her family. Um, her that's where her dad grew up, and um, I had the house to myself. And the fact that the house was already clean because we were we were cleaning for Danielle's family to visit. Got to I only advantage. had only had to do a little bit of of um, last minute prep, mowed the lawn, cleaned the grill, and then I had the boys over. We grilled out, had some burgers, had some brats, had some jalapeno poppers. It, that was just like the perfect day for me. And we got to watch a whole bunch of basketball together. Got to see the Celtics pull out the dub. Um, it was just a beautiful day, and it, it reminded me. You know, we've been debating how much playback do we want to do during these playoffs playback being the great platform where you can do those live watch parties that we did a lot during last year's playoffs and what we decided was we just want to do way more of these um just like live watch parties where you and i are in the same room together yeah and and i from a content perspective you know i I like being able to like you mentioned a couple times you said this live in the moment or i said something you know live in the moment and then we were able to kind of reference back to that here on the podcast today that's something that that i think is you know we can take advantage of it right like unfortunately obviously our guy adam is is in england we don't have the opportunity to watch the games with him live if we could we'd love to but so i think the the fact that we both live in austin gives us a unique ability to you know be able to to watch these games together um so yeah i love that man Grilling out with the boys, just, you know, definition of dudes being dudes. Sorry, bro. My computer almost shut down on me. I had to go run and grab my battery. <laughs> all good. All good. 4605, just in case we're, we're clocking that for any, uh, for any edits that, that may need to happen. No, edit, no. We're, we're not editing this. I was, I was like, I, man, Will's probably just like trying you know, to. I prolonged like, to as nobody. long as I could. <laughs> I was slowing down all of the words that may come into my mind and then may leave, but may allow me to fully engage the, the room, the aspects, everything that's floating with, within my mind. And Oh my God. Philip so hard. I ran out. I had to, I had to end it. Dude, my, my, my computer popped up. It was like, your, your Mac is about to go to sleep. I was like, Oh no, I got to go get my, my, uh, my battery, but go ahead. What's your vibe check? 
Uh, yeah, just to sum up yours, dudes being dudes, can't beat it. Mine's kind of in the same in the same vein. Uh, so this past week, we've updated y'all before here. Green with Envy, men's rec league, men's washed up rec league. We got washed out of the playoffs. wasn't wasn't our finest season. We had a great time though. But my vibe check goes to having a beer with the boys after the game. Mm-hmm. It's it, it was just a refreshing feeling. We don't do it after every game. Typically, this has become kind of our end of the season, win or lose. This is the staple of our rec league team as we go to whatever the nearest bar is, have a couple beers, reminisce, and you know, despite the fact that that we lost in the semifinals, it was still a great season. And getting to hang out with the boys, playing basketball each week, having a thread where you've got something to look forward to each and every week. And our new season starts up here uh, in about a week and a half or so. You know, it's just a great time, man. And it's one of the things that reminds you of even when, you know, when you're when you're younger and you're going through the ranks of whether it's, you know, travel sports, AAU, high school, if you're lucky enough to play in college. This is the reason why us dudes just hang on as long as we can, man. And our bodies, who who knows when they're going to go down? You know, we're in our mid 30s. Ask our girlfriends every time we come back, how'd it go? It's a good win. Yeah. I hurt my back a little bit. <laughs> and they're like, really? Okay, I'll get the ice pack. You know what I mean? Like it's like that happens pretty frequently. And we play once a week, occasionally twice a week. So we're gonna hold on to that feeling as long as we can. But it reminds you part of other than just why you love watching sports, why you love being being, you know, playing sports still as long as you can and having that combination of still being able to get out there and do your best to emulate what we still watch on television. For sure. And I've got the bug right now, man. I hit you up yesterday. I'm playing in a tournament next weekend. So down here in Austin, there's this uh, great Instagram account that's called Astro Hoops with a Z at the end of hoops. And there's some like on that account. really, really good players. Like, re- like they're throwing they're doing like windmill dunks and games and stuff like this like all these this is one dude um his name's greg help who's like six foot seven and like plays very similar to luka Doncic, and he's mm-hmm. also like the atx luka um but all these all these dudes that can really hoop a lot of like ex-college players ex-semi-pro players um playing in this tournament and i've been wanting to play against some like really really good competition i'm not expecting to play and and like win those games but i put together a little all-star squad and i asked you i said hey bro like do you want to be on the roster and you turned me down man what's up with that yeah i mean number one uh so so as your girlfriend's away my girlfriend's away this week she's home next weekend and then she's away the next weekend so Mm -hmm. filling it with an entire weekend of basketball probably not the best for my for my relationship so that was number one and then number two it, it, it listen i love playing hoop I love, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, you know, it costs a little bit of money to get in this tournament. And like, I don't want to be that guy. that's like, Hey, you know, like I, I kind of want to play a little bit more. Like I, you know, I paid X amount for this. So I, I figured right now, this is, if there's ever a, a time not to play, we just talked about how there's four games yesterday. There's four more games today as we're recording. I can fill my life with, you know, we'll, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get a pickup run in the next week or two. And then our other season starts up. So I'm going to fill my life with, with a little bit of NBA playoff basketball to, to fill the void. I respect that. I respect that. I hope that after two games on Saturday next week and then the single elimination tournament on Sunday that I can actually walk next week because after playing back-to-back games this past week, because I played in my Tuesday night league and then I played mm-hmm. in our game on Wednesday, my legs hurt bro and they still hurt i'm going to the gym to just to do some like very light cardio some light biking right after we record this pod <laughs> gotta keep the body in shape as long as we can give it a little bit of a tune-up uh but that's gonna do it 
that's going to do it for this episode of, of Green with NBA. That's going to wrap it up for our vibe check this week. As we mentioned, Celtics up 1-0 on the Atlanta Hawks. Game 2, Tuesday night. Make sure you are following us on YouTube and all of our social media accounts. We will be going live after that game on YouTube. So make sure you come in, hang out with me and Greg. We'll give you guys a recap of everything that has happened after that game. If you want some questions asked, hop in the chat. Get in there. Subscribe. Make sure that you guys are joining in with us. Uh, we'll be doing that for a lot of the games that take place during the week for the Celtics. So make sure that you all are locked in. Greg, any final words? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. Uh, no final words. Excited uh, excited for this playoff run. You're going to hear music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are Black Sheep Optimists, and this one is called Skywalk. Peace, everybody. Peace. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, think it is a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'd be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embodied that's what go with the flow I can sing a different song if I cannot hit the notes You had me taken off and you took off your clothes This should be coming down by now But the won't Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.